Hello everyone, before we begin, we're gonna do something special. I got a bunch of messages from listeners telling some of their creepy stories, some things that they've experienced, and I'm going to use one right now. We have a pretty good little story from user Meldrumis, who's in my Discord. So let's see what they have to say. Right, so I was like 12 years old, my little brother was like 10. Um, this was in my hometown in Scotland, and um, it was like later on in the year, so it was like really quite a dark, cold night this happened on. I was looking out of my bedroom window, and I could see the night sky, I could see stars, and just, it was just a really pleasant night. And um, just all of a sudden, this like big, black shape just slowly came over the top of the house just out of nowhere there was no sound there was no nothing it was just silence and then the shape just blacked out the sky really and then um, there was little lights in the bottom and i was like oh oh no i'm, I'm getting abducted by aliens this is it aliens are real aliens are totally a thing this is, this is the end for me and my little brother i didn't sleep that night i didn't sleep at all just couldn't after that <laughs> So the next morning I wake up and I am, um, I'm, I'm downstairs with my mum having breakfast and I'm like, mum, me and my brother saw an alien. Uh, we saw, we saw an alien spaceship last night and I was, honestly, I was like for the longest time afraid the aliens existed. Um, at the time I was 12, now I'm in my thirties and uh, it was probably when I was around 25, I learned there was a place not far from where, where I grew up um, called Edsel Air Base. And uh, what they were doing at the time was running skirmishes uh, for for pilot training. And what I actually saw over top of my house was a, um, a stealth bomber that was just completely blacked out. And uh, yeah, so I, I fully, wholly believed in aliens until I was like in my mid-20s. And I, you know, I just, to this day, I'm still, I feel now a little bit embarrassed about it. But the reality is like, yeah, I was like, that's totally a thing. That's a thing. That's core belief right there. So here's something a little bit more on the paranormal side and uh, unexplained, really. When I was young, like baby, baby young, really young, I had um, one of those cradles that would rock when it was pushed, so like to rock the baby to sleep. And um, my mom used to come into the room and find that my cradle was rocking constantly. She'd take me out of it, the cradle would stop. Um, she'd leave me alone, she'd come back, the cradle would be rocking again. Years go by, I'm an adult, my friend lives in that house. The house has gone through renovation and so on and so forth. Um, and in that room that my cradle was in, they still hear weird things. He still lives there now, he's, he's bought the property. And uh, yeah, he says that occasionally he hears like things shuffling, like a scraping along the floor or maybe like a knock against the bed or something. And he's like adamant that the house is haunted. Absolutely swears by it. And yeah, I, I don't want to go in there. That was a good one. Thank you, Mel Drummis. I love hearing stories from everyone. If anyone has a story you want to send it to me, you can send a recording, a voice message here on the Anchor app. The One of the places you can listen to this podcast is on Anchor. Search up Anchor. Uh, you can also listen on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, all that stuff, Google. But here on the Anchor app, you can actually send me a voice message and I can edit it right into the episode. It's pretty cool. So thank you, Mel Drummis for telling us that spooky 
alien story. I think you were actually incorrect. It was not a fighter jet. It was a UFO. You were mistaken. Keep looking. Eventually they'll come back for you and tell me how it is when they take you away. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the cemetery. I'm former gravedigger Nathan Barnett from spooky old New England, and you're listening to Grave Stories. It's been a while. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are in the closet again. Episode two of season two. Interesting number. Two, two. My favorite number, if you guys don't know. I was born on February 2nd at 1222 in the afternoon. My mom was in hospital room, 222, and I'm the second son. Oh, and I was also born on the second day of the week. No joke, all real, what's it mean? I love numbers, obviously I'm obsessed with two, because that's the way life tells me to be. Because of all the twos, I've been programmed to be obsessed with two. So anyway, this is season two episode two i decided to make the seasons 13 episodes long because it's like a spooky number so hopefully i can continue the quality episodes this season the first season i often tell people just i say listen to the last couple episodes but then i say the last episode is unlike any of the episodes any other episodes so i don't know what to advertise for the first episode of this season season two is the only one that i think is like quality wise really good because in the beginning I like, not that I can now, but because I still can't, I can't read. I can't read smoothly. It's so hard. So I spend a lot of time editing these episodes and cutting out all the blunders and time to to reread things and all the weird breaths and stuff to make it a smooth listening experience. There's a lot of editing that goes into these, and you guys wouldn't even know, and I'm like fading and blending breaths so they sound right, so that I'm exhaling at the right time when I'm about to say the next word. Like, I go probably a little too far (laughs) to make it sound flawless, but uh, I want it to sound good because the first episodes, in my opinion, weren't great, and I know it can be kind of like funny. People were commenting, like, oh, that's just cool because it's just you, and you're just being yourself, and we like to hear you, and... Mm, a person who comes and wants to listen to this that doesn't know anything about me, that just wants to hear some spooky stuff, is going to be like, oh my god, this guy is the worst, he can't read, I can't listen to him anymore. <laughs> so, I'm doing it for the newcomers. Thank you all who appreciate my flaws and don't hate me because of them. Anyway, uh, I should tell you what the heck's going on in this episode, because it is an episode I'm surprised I haven't done this is my obsession. I am fascinated by this phenomenon. Phenomena or phenomenon? I think it's an N at the end there. The experiences children have and the things that they say, young children, often between the ages of like 2 and 10, uh, where they talk about their past lives. And I hear about it all the time and I read about it and I'm really obsessed with it. I think it's super fascinating because it's something I do believe in. I do, I like to believe, I guess. I think it sounds cool and it seems, based on everything I know (laughs) of the universe, it seems like it probably happens. Like our souls are recycled. We come back around as somebody else later. And we, when these kids are saying, oh, you're not my parents. My parent was this lady in Germany in 1942. 
that's an error or like a glitch. It's like you wipe a hard drive, but one of the files stuck around. And then the new program is like, what is this file? This is confusing me. That's what I really, that's how I like sort of relate it to like, we're like computers basically, but we kind of are. So anyway, that's how I feel about this. I think souls are reused. They come back around and maybe they have a, a certain amount of times they can be used, but they definitely, I think they come back and this is just blows my mind. My whole dad series is based on this. I don't know if anyone ever picked up on that. I'm sure the, the super fans did. Um, were and in real, the character I play from, uh, Kepler 22 B, he is me, Nathan Barnett, but in one of his future lives, it's like, the, it's like Nathan's 81st life. And I did that because I was born in 1981. That's why I used uh, 81, 81st life. So say Nathan here, the one you're listening to right now, me, say I'm on my, you know, second life or f- first. I, actually, I, I think it could be my second life because <laughs> humble brag, <laughs> I, I, I like to believe that I am Buster Keaton and he came back around. Unfortunately, I'm letting him down. I'm not doing anything as good as he did. I don't have the means but if I did have the budget and the production value that he had, I'd be doing the stuff above and beyond what he did. So someday maybe I'll get there. Anyway, so say this is my second life. My soul has been, this is my second time around. In 79 more lives is when I become, I'll live the life of Andon on Kepler 22B. And I made it that way because... I do feel that at some point humans will be on other planets, possibly Kepler 22B. And when you think about it, that's not just 81 more lives is like thousands of years in the future. You know, because if a life is about 100 years long, then, you know, we got a long time ago. And by that time, we'll probably be living on Kepler 22B. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you should watch the Dad series. It's sci-fi comedy. All right, I'm going to stop rambling. And I'm going to read these stories that I'm surprised I haven't read since the beginning i've been sticking mostly to ghost stories um or ghost accounts uh and now i'm going to read some something else kind of odd and spooky and maybe a little more fascinating stories of these people of these real people uh who talk when they were kids spoke to their parents and the people in their lives about their past lives and the weird things these kids would say and then how they've all been proven to be real. And like these people, they'll look up that they're talking, the people they say they were years ago are real people. And these kids would never know anything about them because they're two years old. It's fascinating. I love it. So we're going to listen to a message from our non-paying sponsor. And then we're going to come right back. a trick? There's a coupon in specially marked boxes of Cheerios that, presto, turns into a free pitcher of Pepsi or other soft drink at Pizza Hut. With any pizza purchase, a free pitcher of Pepsi from Cheerios. That's magic. Welcome back, everybody. Wow, what a great ad. Maybe they'll hear me using their ads and they'll say, hey, we appreciate that. All 17 people in your audience might buy our product now. Here's 10 bucks. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Thanks for listening. Here we go. First story. Now, this is an article. This is the best way for me to tell the story because this story is all over the internet. There's videos about it and stuff. But um, I'm using Sean Lyons, who wrote this article on uvamagazine.org. He has a pretty good, uh, like, 
concise retelling of the experience. Uh, so I'm going to read uh, what he wrote. And this is a story about a boy named Ryan Hammonds. It's one of the more famous stories of reincarnation. Here we go. When Ryan Hammonds was four years old, he began directing imaginary movies. Shouts of action often echoed from his room. But the play became a concern for Ryan's parents when he began waking up in the middle of the night screaming and clutching his chest, saying he dreamed his heart exploded when he was in Hollywood. His mother, Cindy, asked his doctor about the episodes. Night terrors, the doctor said. He'll outgrow them. Then one night, as Cindy tucked Ryan into bed, Ryan suddenly took hold of Cindy's hand. Mama, he said. I think I used to be someone else. He said he remembered a big white house and a swimming pool. It was in Hollywood, many miles from his Oklahoma home. He said he had three sons, but that he couldn't remember their names. He began to cry, asking Cindy over and over why he couldn't remember their names. I really don't know what to do, Cindy said. I was more in shock than anything. He was so insistent about it. After that night, he kept talking about it, kept getting upset about not being able to remember those names. I started researching the internet about reincarnation. I even got some books from the library on Hollywood, thinking their pictures might help him. I didn't tell anyone for months. One day, as Ryan and Cindy paged through one of the old Hollywood books, Ryan stopped at a black and white still taken from a 1930s movie titled Night After Night. Two men in the center of the picture were confronting one another. Four other men surrounded them. Cindy didn't recognize any of the faces, but Ryan pointed to one of the men in the middle. Hey mama, he said, that's George. We did a picture together. His finger then shot over to a man on the right, wearing an overcoat and a scowl. That guy's me. I found me. Ryan's claims, while rare, are not unique among the more than 2,500 case files sitting inside the office of Jim B. Tucker, an associate psychiatry professor at the UVA Medical Center's Division of Perceptual Studies. For nearly 15 years, Tucker has been investigating claims made by children, usually between the ages of two and six years old, who say they've had past lives. The children are sometimes able to provide enough detail about these lives that their stories can be traced back to an actual person, rarely famous and often entirely unknown to the family who died years before. Tucker, one of the only scientists in the world studying the phenomenon, says the strength of the cases he encounters varies. Some can easily be discounted, for instance, when it becomes clear that a child's innocuous statements come within a family that desperately misses a loved one. But in a number of cases, like Ryan's, Tucker says the most logical scientific explanation for a claim is as simple as, it is astounding. Somehow, the child recalls memories from another life. In his latest book, Return to Life, due out this month, Tucker details some of the more compelling American cases he's researched and outlines his argument that discoveries within quantum mechanics, the mind-bending science of how nature's smallest particles behave, provide clues to reincarnation's existence. Quantum physics indicates that our physical world may grow out of our consciousness, Tucker says. That's a view held not just by me, but by a number of physicists as well. I'm going to pause right here. This... If you're a fan of dad, you can tell what's going on here. There's major influence. Quantum physics, being able to exist in two places at once and travel great distances because, distances because of quantum physics, uh, past lives, reincarnation. I mean, this is the dad series. I'm obsessed with this stuff. I'm very fascinated by quantum mechanics and quantum physics and time travel and how I feel... I feel that what we're experiencing right now is in a way an illusion. Like we're not actually in 
true reality. Like we're seeing a show, something that our simple minds can comprehend. But when we die or cease to exist in this phase or form, this is all, this sounds, it just sounds cool to me. So this is like what I choose to believe. And it just, after every, all these things I've heard living 40 years on this planet about quantum physics and mechanics and, you know, just things that appeal to me that make my brain go, Ooh, that sounds cool. What's that all about? After hearing all these things over my life, I've come to the, uh, the viewpoint of, or I guess stance, you should say of, I believe this is what's going on. <laughs> Or I hope that this is what's going on because it sounds crazy and really cool. But yeah, I feel there's there's like another realm, many realms maybe. I'm getting a little deep in, you know, maybe philosophical here. But the, I just feel that this is like what's really going on. And here's a, here's a thought also I'm going to say. This is a thing I thought of the other day. Say... Say you you die and you go to whatever this realm is, but then you come back as someone else. When you're in that realm, my question to the people, I guess, who are in there right now, or maybe people who have memories from being there, because that's the thing that happens apparently. So you you come back as a next life, and sometimes you have these memories of your past life. That's like a glitch and an error, and you're not supposed to have that because I feel the reason you don't remember your past life is because you're never going to enjoy your current life if you keep thinking about your last one. You're going to be like, no, I miss my mom and I miss my friends. Who are you? In order for you to enjoy this life and be productive and do whatever you're here to do, you can't be thinking about that stuff. So that's why they wipe your memory so you can exist peacefully. Uh, But so my question is when you go back to that realm, you've probably already been there before. If you are going to different lives every time you go back to that other quantum realm do you remember the last time you were there and you're like oh i am back well that was a crazy one wow what am i gonna do next because like it's like you or maybe maybe you even know about it now like maybe my soul or whatever my my aura knows that I, what's going, what's going on, but I, my brain isn't knowing what's going on, okay, now I'm just getting a little too deep, I'm getting a little crazy here, all right, (laughs) I gotta just keep reading this story, this isn't supposed to be me rambling about big, big brain thoughts, (laughs) so here we go, all right, (laughs) I gotta jump back into it, this is just the stuff I think about constantly, and this is where the dad series came from, so just, I wanted to make something that went deeper, (laughs) all right, here we go. Back to it. Okay, so I've abandoned that last article because the more I read on, the more it was just about the guy in his book doing this research and not about Ryan, the reincarnated kid. So we're now going to read uh, something that breaks it really breaks it down. This is an article written by Walter SemQ, MD, on reincarnationresearch.com. And this, is, uh, this gives a lot of good detail. So here we go. Ryan Hammonds was born in Muskogee, Oklahoma in 2004, 40 years after the death of Marty Martin. Ryan's mother's name is Cindy, and the family is Christian. The development of Ryan's speech was delayed by enlarged adenoids. The development of Ryan's speech was delayed by enlarged adenoids, which are a cluster of immune system cells located in the back of the mouth. Enlarged adenoids can hamper breathing as well as speech. 
After his adenoids were surgically removed, Ryan finally started speaking in full sentences when he was four years old. At that point, Ryan started talking about a past lifetime. Ryan said that he wanted to go home to Hollywood and begged his mother to take him there so that he could visit his other family, including his three adopted sons who he was worried about. He said he had two sisters and one biological child, a daughter, from his first marriage. Ryan said he worked for an agency where people changed their names. He inferred that he had power in this position by making statements such as, Do you know who I am? If you mess with me, you won't ever work in this town again. Okay, that sounds a little cliche, a little on the nose. <laughs> Are you saying this to his mom? He's saying like the most popular Hollywood line <laughs> to his mom. This is where I start to doubt these cases and these stories. I think these do happen, but maybe this article is embellishing. Who knows who this guy is? This, this, is, this is written up in so many places. It's hard to know which one is the best one to read. But anyways, I'm just doing this so you guys can hear the gist of it. I do believe in these cases. So let's hope that this one is real. And this article maybe is just being a little silly here. Or maybe the guy really said that to his mom. Who knows? I mean, it was apparently the 20s when this guy was living in Hollywood. And people often did say that, I think, back then. All right, continuing on. Ryan said that he had a big house with a swimming pool that was situated on a street that had a name with rock in it. Further, he said that he had traveled by ship, visited Paris, and viewed the Eiffel Tower. Ryan said that he had danced on Broadway, and he liked to demonstrate tap dance routines. In kindergarten, he would play at directing movies. He related that he used to go to Chinatown when his parents first took him to a Chinese restaurant. Ryan knew how to use chopsticks without being taught. Well, that's pretty interesting. He had a fascination with sunglasses, and he said in his past life, he had been sunburned often. Ryan also said that he didn't like Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Ryan told his mother that he had seen her from heaven and that he had known her from a previous life. He said that he had chosen her as his mother so that he could take care of her. Pausing again, this is something I've read in a lot of other cases too. There was one story I read when I first did this whole series as a live stream thing like three years ago. I read one about this kid who was like up there in like heaven or purgatory or wherever you are when you're waiting to go back down to your next life. And he like wanted to pick this one lady as a mom and he couldn't because she wasn't ready. And she kept having miscarriages apparently. And then eventually he was born. And then when he was a kid, he said to the mother, he's like, I was waiting for you for so long uh, and you finally picked me. And I was like, wait, what? And then the mother like, started crying because she had miscarriages. This, this, this whole thing about them, about being able to see who you're going to pick as your parent is pretty interesting. Uh, that's something else I'm kind of like. Is that, they don't talk too much about that in these stories, but that's something I kind of want to look more into. Uh, all right, continuing on. Ryan related that he remembered being in Cindy's womb and he asked why she had wanted him to be a girl. Ryan stated that he observed her crying for a long time when Cindy learned that she was going to have a boy. Cindy was surprised that Ryan knew about the crying episode, which was true, but Ryan had no way to know about the incident by normal means as she or Ryan's father never told him about it. Cindy decided to investigate Ryan's statement regarding a past life and she researched books on Hollywood from the community library. As Cindy and Ryan were perusing these books, they came upon a photograph from a movie, Night After Night. Okay, so we already touched on this from the last article, but I'm going to keep going. Ryan recognized one of the men in the photo as himself. This man 
is pictured to the right. Ryan said another man was named George, and the third man in the photo was a friend of his who was a cowboy and who starred in cigarette commercials. Unfortunately, the man who Ryan said was him in a past incarnation was not identified by name in the book or the movie credits, Night After Night. With this information at hand, Cindy contacted Jim Tucker, MD, an academic psychiatrist at the University of Virginia who has taken over the work of the late Ian Stevenson, MD. When Ryan was five years old, Dr. Tucker traveled to Oklahoma to study this case. A television production company that was making a program on children with past live memories came with Tucker. Oh my gosh, can you watch this? Whoa, so this was filmed. I need to look up this Ryan dude and the Jim Tucker doctor dude. I want to, if this was like documented, this would be really cool to watch. Ryan recognizes the home of his past life friend, Wild Bill Elliott. Based on a facial resemblance, production company staff made a tentative identification of who the actor was in the night after night photo that Ryan claimed was him. The company flew Ryan to Los Angeles and drove him by the home of this actor, but Ryan did not recognize it. Ryan did not recognize the home of Wild Bill Elliott including that the proposed actor was an incorrect past life match. The TV production company hired a film archivist who eventually identified the mystery man in the photo as Marty Martin. By this time, Ryan was six years old. Ryan meets his past life daughter. Whoa. On a subsequent trip to California, Ryan met his past life daughter. This daughter was only eight years old at the time. Her father, Marty Martin, died while she herself was 57 years old when she met Ryan. Still, Ryan said that he recognized her face. Dude, this is giving me major goosebumps. That's crazy. Imagine being in a kid's body and being like, you're my daughter, I recognize you. And it's crazy that this kid, a lot of these stories you hear about these kids, like talking about past lives, they like, it comes in moments and waves and then they kind of go back to normal. That's what you hear a lot. It's like just randomly the kid will be like playing on the floor and he'll be like, He's like, oh, I used to have a dog with my old wife. And then the parents are like, what? And the kid just goes back to playing. It's like, what are you talking about? And the kid it like, comes in like, it's almost like spurts of these like memories. But this kid is like full on another person, it seems. <laughs> really weird. Though Jim Tucker did the initial investigation of this reincarnation case, psychologist Erlunder Haraldson, PhD, did follow up interviews with Cindy by phone. Ryan was 11 years old at the time of Dr. Haraldson's phone interviews. Haraldson noted at this time that Ryan loved music from the 1950s and that he affiliates with the Republican Party. Most interestingly, Dr. Haraldson noted that Ryan wants to study Judaism, which is a source of friction within his Christian family. Marty Martin was Jewish and of Ukrainian ethnicity, while Ryan was born to a Christian-American family in Oklahoma. Ryan said that he picked Cindy to be his mother from the spirit realm. Further, he knew Cindy wanted a girl during her pregnancy with Ryan and that she cried for a prolonged time when she found out that she was having a boy. Ryan witnessed this event from the spirit world. See, this is what I want to learn more about. Ryan met his past life daughter. In addition, Ryan stated that he knew Cindy in a previous incarnation. Okay, this just seems like this is just summarizing now. Ryan knew tap dance routines and he was adept at using chopsticks without instruction. Okay, there we go. That's basically all the information on this dude, Ryan Hammonds. So, uh, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, the next segment of this episode, I'm going to read a handful of other stories from about other people. Uh, they're a little shorter, but... Uh, there's a bunch of them, so I'm just going to go through these. Uh, they're not, like, really long stories or, like, articles because it's only just, like, the 
it's like the good stuff, you know, of like all the all the great crazy things these kids say. Um, so it's just interesting though. So we're gonna take another break and come right back. Welcome back, everybody. Let's continue on. We're going to read a handful of short little stories or articles, I should say about these other people who've spoken of their past lives when they were kids. This one is about a guy named Gus Taylor. These are, apparently these are some of the more famous, notable ones that get written written up a bunch. So here, Gus Taylor. Gus Taylor was 18 months old when he started to say that he was his own grandfather. Young children can be confused about their own identity and those of their family members. But this was different. His grandfather had died a year before Gus. Mm-hmm, pausing. That's when you know. That's, that's how, mm-hmm. I think that he came back. Already believe this one, because <laughs> it's like, oh, how his grandfather died, soul got rejuvenated in the other quantum realm, came back, came back right where he wanted to go. Let's see what happens here. His grandfather had died a year before Gus was born, and the boy totally believed that they were the same person. When shown some family photographs, Gus identified Grandpa Augie when he was four years old. There was a family secret that nobody had ever spoken about in front of or around Gus. Augie's sister had been murdered and dumped in the San Francisco Bay. Oh my god. The family were perplexed when the four-year-old child started to talk about his dead sister. <gasps> Dude. What? According to Gus, God gave him a ticket after he died with this ticket he was able to travel through a hole after which he came back to life as gus dude what that's insane my mind is blank right now i don't even know what to say that i I didn't i didn't expect that much detail i mean this is pretty cool i hope this is all actual factual information here that's cool gives a little insight into what's really going on in the world everybody now we know there's a ticket system they're even charging you to come back to life the tax man is everywhere you can't escape wow that's cool gus taylor is his own grandfather weird okay now let's continue on with this one about ruth simmons One of the best-known reincarnation stories is about Ruth Simmons. In 1952, she underwent a series of hypnosis sessions. I hope there's there's not like rustling noises for you guys. I'm like leaning against the microphone, near the microphone, and I just have a feeling it's going like... (coughs) Top quality podcast content for you guys. One of the best-known reincarnation stories is that of Ruth Simmons. In 1952, she underwent a series of hypnosis sessions, during which her therapist, Maury Bernstein, regressed her back to her birth. 
She suddenly started to speak with a heavy Irish accent and remembered many specific details from her life as Bridie Murphy, who lived in Belfast, Ireland in the 19th century. Not many of the things she mentioned could be verified. However, she recalled two people from whom she used to buy her food, a Mr. John Carrigan and a Mr. Farr. The town directory for 1865-66 to lists the two individuals as grocers. Dude, major goosebumps. Holy crap, these are the good ones. Oh my gosh, I literally have goosebumps all over my body. That is amazing. First of all, I believe this one because... I myself have had uh, hypnotherapy uh, when I went through a breakup a while ago. I, I've probably talked about this in the podcast before. I went there to like, kind of like whatever, to relax my brain and just kind of, I heard it can help with breakups and like th- stress and just trauma, whatever you're going through. And it was like, I was like, didn't want to be sad anymore. So I was like, I'm going to go to hypnotherapist. Maybe it'll help relax my mind or whatever and release some tension. But what had happened was I went, this was like this, honestly, I could, I mean, it sounds like, I sound like a crazy person, but I was, I wasn't like, I was hypnotized technically, but I was like just basically sitting in a chair and I knew I was in the therapy session room. I knew what was going on. I wasn't like in a daze. I've been hypnotized twice now and both times it's not like what you expect. You're just incredibly relaxed. That's pretty much what it is. And I was sitting there with my four-year-old self to my 14-year-old self. And at first, I talked to the four-year-old self, and I, I could see myself exactly what I looked like when I was four years old. And I had, like, moppy blonde hair, and I was, and he was, like, it was just basically like talking to a kid. I was just talking to some kid who was me, but he didn't know I was... I don't, I don't know what he knew of me, and if he knew I was, like, the older version of him. I was 34 at the time. So it was really wild. Um, I was talking to him. He was just super happy. He was just messing around. And then the 14 year old self came and I sat with him on a bench in a park, uh, same bench, same place with the the four year old version of myself. And that, that version of him, uh, me was like, and I thought I was like really happy. I remember myself as a really happy teenager and I was just goofing around with my friends all the time, but I actually wasn't in it. And I forget about that because I like block it and I don't realize I'm blocking it. And this is like, I was, I was a literal breakthrough in this therapy session. Sorry, I'm like on a tangent here, but I'm just telling you why I believe in this hypnotherapy stuff because I, I in that situation where I was sitting there, it really felt like I was sitting there talking to this 14 year old kid and he was talking about how he it was sad and he always wanted to cry and he was always holding it in because I got bullied like really bad in high school and I had to switch schools two times because it was like so bad and I was like physically getting like beaten up and I was just like letting them do it ignoring it because I just wouldn't like fight back and I just didn't want to I just like didn't want to give them the satisfaction so anyways it was a nightmare and I was like pretty upset as a teenager but I would never like show it I was always just goofing around being happy and stuff so a little I know I never got over any of this stuff because I was still I had like an aversion to like preppy kids and preppy guys and jock type people and football coach looking people because those are the people who mess with me even like the teachers and football coaches and stuff were like didn't like me so like ever since I've had this like I just I just don't like the sight of <laughs> this sounds so bad I don't want to judge anybody but like white guys with like sports hats and tucked in shirts into khaki pants <laughs> 90s jocks basically uh it's like I've, i kind of like don't like to be around them because they were like so crappy to me anyway i don't judge anybody nowadays and i just try to like you know 
no, that's just what happened to me. So <laughs> now I'm going on a real long tangent here. This is even about the the reincarnations. But in that moment when I was sitting there and I talked to that kid, it helped that kid talk to me because I said to him, don't worry, things are going to be awesome soon. You're going to be in California and you're going to be funny and people are going to like you for how funny you are. And I was tr- basically trying to tell my 14-year-old self to not like be sad and to ha- to have something to look forward to as soon as you got out of high school, things were going to be awesome because that's what did happen to me. As soon as I got out of high school, things were just amazing because I just started filming things and I started making stuff and I didn't have people making fun of me anymore and I found people who I got along with. Um, so anyways, uh, it was so real being sitting there with that person. I, I, it's a weird situation. It's a weird experience. So <laughs> that's my way. That's my one, my, my rant about this woman who gets regressed back to her birth i think that can happen because of what happened to me it's pretty wild stuff sorry guys (laughs) continuing on here's another story about uh someone named parmad sharma parmad sharma was born in basali india on october 11th 1944 when he was two and a half years old he started to tell his mom not to prepare food because he has a wife in moradabad who could prepare food between the ages of three and four, Sharma described a shop called Mohan Brothers, where he had worked with his family members, selling water and cookies. Sharma also said that he had become ill after consuming curd in his old life. The boy's parents promised to take him to the city once he had learned to read. Surprisingly, it turned out there was a Mara family that had run a cookie and soda shop called Mohan Brothers. Permanand Mera, the manager, died in 1943 after suffering from gastrointestinal disease after consuming too much curd. Wow. That's pretty rad. Pretty, pretty cool. I love all these. These are super fascinating. Okay, here's one. This Now we're on another site. This is bustle.com. And the last site we were on was coolinterestingstuff.com. <laughs> what a site. It is cool, interesting stuff. So now we're on bustle.com reading about more past life experiences. This one is another famous one about James Leninger. I think this might be one of the most famous stories. So we'll end with this one. According to ABC News, James Leninger began waking up screaming when he was two. When his parents asked him what the matter was, he'd say, airplane crash on fire. Little man can't get out. When he was three, he checked over his toy plane like a pilot does before a pre-flight check. He also identified a drop tank without ever being told what it was. Under the instruction of counselor and therapist Carol Bowman, James's parents asked him to share his plane-related memories, and the nightmares subsided after that. He said he'd flown a Corsair, which was attacked by Japanese forces and crashed, leading to his death. James seemed to remember highly specific details from this life. The boat he departed from was called Natoma, he said, and someone named Jack Larson flew on his plane. His dad, Bruce, discovered that the Navy had an aircraft carrier called the Natoma Bay, and there was a Jack Larson living in Arkansas. James signed drawings, James III, and said that he was shot at World War II's Battle of Iwa Jima. And sure enough, Bruce learned that a man named James M. Huston Jr. was shot and killed at Iwa Jima. James said that the plane was hit in the engine, and similarly, a rear gunner on a plane right next to it told ABC News that the plane was hit head-on, right in the middle of the engine. Wow, pretty interesting. That one I've heard, I've read a little bit about that one, and 
seen some videos on that one. There's like more detail and more things that the kid got right. He said that he went to heaven. He used to play with these three soldiers, toy soldiers, I think. And he named them all the guys that were like he was friends with in the army. And he saw all of them in heaven. And there's like other just details about the, that the kid would ramble on about, which all pretty fascinating. Uh, let's read a couple more here. This one is called This Boy's Creepy Memory of His Wife and Killer. Oh my god, this one's this is short, but it's probably going to be demented. Before Semi Tutismus was born, his mom had a dream about a man named Selim Fesley with blood on his face. Creepily, Semi identified himself as Selim Fesley when he began talking. This was the name of a man in a nearby village who had died after being shot in the right ear. And Tutismus's ear was deformed. Ooh, coincidence. At age four, Semi went to Tutismus's widow Katib's house and said, I am Selim. You are my wife, Katib. He would also throw stones at Isa Derbekli, who admitted to killing Tutismus, insisting that he'd shot him. What? So... The kid started throwing rocks at the murderer, and then the murderer admitted that he'd shot the guy? This, what? There must be more information on this. That's insane. So the kid came back and said, you're my wife, and you killed me. <laughs> That's insane. Wait, did the wife die? Oh, just he died. Sorry, sorry. That was confusing. That's insane. The guy met his freaking murderer. Uh, awkward. <laughs> I wish there was like a longer one. I wish there was something that, I mean, I guess how long can these be, you know? But this is a different type of episode. Uh, I find these stories fascinating. We're going to end on this one right here. And it's a pretty good one, apparently, based off this title. It, it says, this three-year-old who identified his own corpse. <laughs> Wow, here we go. According to Epoch Times, a three-year-old near the border of Syria and Israel claimed he had been killed by an axe wound to the head and showed his village elders where his body was. Below the spot in the ground he pointed to, they dug up a corpse of a man who had gone missing with a head wound in the same place where the boy had a birthmark. <gasps> Dude, this is insane. Along with an axe, he also named his killer, and the man confessed after being presented with the evidence. It all really does make you wonder, doesn't it? Whether or not these anecdotes will ever definitively prove past lives, one thing's for sure, they make good stories. Uh, yeah, they do, bustle.com. Yeah, they do. That's interesting. I want to look into that and see names and dates and pictures of this guy who killed the guy and the kid who found him. That one, these, some of these could just be, like, made up. When they don't give, like, actual names, that's when I, I'm like, I take them with a grain of salt. But the ones with the, the, that are well-known, and this one, there's another one about this woman who, uh, I think she, I'm pretty sure she's a Swedish woman. Uh, it was 10 years after Anne Frank died. She was Anne Frank like and she's still alive today this lady and she talks about it like those are a little more interesting to me because you can see you can look at the people and you can watch videos and watch them talk about it and it's pretty compelling stuff 
we don't really know what's going on in the world and the universe. It's just kind of interesting to speculate and wonder, and maybe someday we'll find out that things are freaking rad in the quantum realm. Either way, very interesting stuff. Super fascinated with it. So there we have it. That's this week's episode. I'm going to try to do these often, more often. Uh, it's been a while. I want to crank out some more episodes Please listen to the old episodes, if you will. The first episodes in the first season, I really mess up reading a lot, and it might be annoying to listen to, so just skip up like six episodes, start at like episode six or something. I don't even know when they when they get good. But uh, either way, thanks for listening to any of them. I appreciate it, everybody, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. <laughs>